When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Remember me? Took some time off. Actually, it ended up being more time off than I planned, but uh, anytime that you get an extra night, spend some time with your wife, it's a great thing. At least it is for me. Hope it is for you. But uh, good to be back. It's been difficult to kind of get back in the flow. I got back yesterday morning. Let me give you a, a brief summary of how things went. And the first thing I'll tell you is uh, don't use Expedia.com for anything. Don't do it. I won't give you all the details, but I'll just tell you this. Half of my family went to the Bahamas. The other half, including me, spent the uh, week in Key West and Key Largo and all around uh, the Florida coastline. We had a great time, but we weren't all together due to a problem with Expedia. And uh, you find out at the last minute that uh, things aren't going to go the way you expect. So let me just tell you, stop using third-party booking services. The deals are not worth it because we're out 600 bucks that they kept that I'm going to try to get back. And then we ended up not being able to go to the Bahamas. So Ani and his wife and daughter and my youngest daughter, Mia, went to the Bahamas. The rest of us uh, went around Florida. Had a great time, though. I'm not going to sit here and knock that. We made the best of the situation. Uh, stayed in Key Largo at this fabulous place. Great amenities. Uh, went down and spent the day at Key West. Uh, took the parasailing cruise out there. Went snorkeling. Went kayaking. Watched the sunset over the ocean from the deck of the boat. It was fabulous. You know, but here's the thing, too. When you take vacation, sometimes it's not just about the experience, but about the company, right? It was our first family vacation in seven years, even though it was somewhat disjointed. We spent a day together before they all got on the boat and then spent a couple days together afterwards. And my wife was supposed to fly back into Albuquerque, New Mexico last night or night before. I, I forget. But nevertheless... <clears throat> We're sitting there shooting pool, just trying to kill time before she gets on the plane. She gets notification that her flight out of Orlando has been delayed. Surprise, surprise. And she wasn't on Southwest. If there's anything more unreliable than uh, air travel, I don't know what there is. Uh, But that being said, found out she was going to miss her connecting flight. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will drop you off at the airport early. I will hightail it to Atlanta. When you get to Atlanta, we'll just spend a night there together. So... (laughs) It wasn't a luxurious accommodation. She ended up booking us a hotel near the airport, which is a very risky proposition. As I pulled into the parking lot of the Ramada there in Atlanta, there's six cars with shattered windows. And, you know, I got a new Mustang. And I'm like, wait a minute, Ruby, who is, that's my car's name, Ruby. I don't know if you're safe around here. <laughs> so, so I park right by the entrance and I go in and ask a lady. I'm like, hey, you know, is it safe to park out there? And she goes, oh, it's kind of park at your own risk here around the airport. You know, you're, you're in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, no, no doubt. But we made it through, had to get up at five in the morning, got in bed at midnight, got up at five, got her dropped off. And then I drove uh, back to Starkville and I was exhausted yesterday. I'd planned to record yesterday. So give you a programming note. I'm going to record today and I'm going to record tomorrow. 
How about that? I promised you two shows this week. I'm going to get you two shows. And then I got a lot of laundry to do. I got some cleaning up to do around here. And uh, your good friend and host, of course, has been a single parent much of the last year. That is soon coming to an end, thankfully. Uh, I'll also be headed back out to Albuquerque in a couple weeks. I'll probably make two more trips out there before she comes back. So we'll do some shows in New Mexico. I had many of you tell me, said, Steve, your shows in New Mexico have been fabulous. Well, yeah, because my wife is around, you know. But uh, it also probably has to do with the content. It's been a very, very busy six weeks for Mississippi State, really back to, you know, even further than that. I mean, you end the year on a three-game winning streak, which is always a great thing. But uh, there's been a lot of news to report, uh, and and we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the bowl game. We're going to talk about some coaching news. We'll talk about some recruiting news and things of that nature. Now, as I'm recording this show, we have two stories ready to go at jeanspage.com. Two. Two stories ready to go. So you should get some news from Mississippi State and from jeanspage.com today about your offensive coaching staff today. So we're going to do it. We're going to do what we can, and uh, we'll talk about that. But it's good to be back. It's good to be home. I'm not, of course, I'm not with my wife. She's back out in New Mexico for a few, well, I guess seven more weeks, but uh, I'll see her a good bit. But uh and soon she'll be coming home. And I've told you guys, too, we're in the process of uh, opening a new business. Uh, that will happen some point later this year. My hope is we can get it done uh, by the end of the summer in time for football season so you guys can come and, uh, and enjoy that. Working through the process, a lot to it. But uh, be that as it may, it's good to be home. It is. It's good to be back in Starkville. It really is. Had a great time in Florida. I love Florida. I love the people down there. And when everybody's on vacation, generally everybody's in a good mood. And if you've never been to Key West, let me encourage you, make your plans to go. It is a long drive from Miami down there. And it's not long geographically, but a lot of that Highway 1 is two lanes. And it's a lot of stop and go traffic. So be patient. But it's worth it. Key West is beautiful. There's not a lot of natural beaches in the Florida Keys. There's not. Not like you would expect. But the vibe in Key West is amazing. And I can see why Mike Leach wanted to live down there. The people are great. The locals are great. Everybody's so happy to be down there. Uh, We didn't go do all the tourist stuff and go take all those pictures and things like that that a lot of other people do. We just kind of enjoyed being together. And that's the biggest part of vacation. It was not a relaxing vacation. It was very enjoyable. We talked about that this morning. You know, we didn't get a lot of rest because we always had somewhere to be because we wanted to make the most of our time together. And I hope you guys get to do that as well. But I can promise you the next vacation that I take will not involve anybody leaving the country. We'll just go rent a lake house or a beach house somewhere or a log cabin and uh, buy some groceries and just kind of live and vegetate together and just kind of enjoy being together. So I hope you get a chance to do that sort of stuff with your own family. But again, it's good to be back. One of the first places I plan to eat now that I'm back is Bulldog Burger Company. I miss Bulldog Burger Company, and the more that I travel, the more I appreciate the quality of the restaurant-quality hamburgers you can get at Bulldog Burger Company. Nobody does it better. A lot of people make that claim. Very few even come close to living up to it. Bulldog Burger Company, the king of the restaurant-quality hamburger. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. We all need more of that. Make the world a more beautiful place by partaking in those spring rolls. 
It's in writing now, too. So it's, it's real, right? Trust the science on this. Get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big proponent of dessert to go. Maybe get that shippy bread pudding, bring it home, and you can, you know, around 10 o'clock when you need to get that late night snack, you've got that great bread pudding right there to go. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. I've said this before. Maybe you've heard it. It feels so good to win. You know, think back to last year. We lose the Egg Bowl, which always, always, always puts a bitter taste in your mouth. No matter the circumstances, it doesn't matter how good they are, how bad we are, or vice versa. When you lose that game, it makes the next seven, eight months very difficult to deal with. It just does. When you lose the Golden Egg, you don't have that in your possession. There is a reminder of that all the time. Well, we win the Egg this year. And then win the bowl game. Last year, you lose the egg, get blown out in the bowl game. And so the entire offseason is about, hey, this air raid thing's not going to work. Mike Leach is probably on the hot seat. He wasn't. But we end up this year winning the egg, winning the bowl game, and closing the year on a three-game winning streak. I, don't, I haven't done the research, but I would venture to say there are not many years in our history that we have closed the year on a three-game winning streak. So we're going to take some time and look back at the bowl game. I know many of you are saying, Steve, that was an eternity ago. Guys, it was this week. You know, for me, it feels like it was an eternity ago because so much has happened. I've laid my head at so many different spots here in the last week. But I enjoyed the bowl game. Uh, Dana and I watched it at Sharky's Bar and Grill in Key Largo. I didn't go cover the game because I was expecting to be out of the country. But we sat together, had a great time at Sharky's. I'm trying to, I had the uh, pulled pork sandwich and uh, I, she had some burger thing. And it was great. We just kind of sat out there. And ironically, we're sitting down getting ready for the game. And then the table next to us ends up being filled with Illinois fans. What are the chances of that? They were down in the Keys for a wedding. Turns out that one of the main guys, the more chatty guy in the group, is a 247 subscriber of our Illinois site. So we had a chance to talk and visit. I had a very enjoyable time. It's, it's been a long time since I have been able to sit and watch Mississippi State play football on TV, much less have rival fans around me. But it was a fun experience, and uh, the guys were great guys. Uh, didn't get, don't remember any names. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. It really was. It was cool. And uh, there was a part of me, too, it was hard for me not to uh, laugh with smug satisfaction when that earlier touchdown for them was called back on a – on a false start. Uh, but let's get into the game here and just kind of talk about our recollections of all of this. But we win the toss. We elect to receive. And the very first play, you know, it was kind of predetermined. And uh, you may not know this, but Brett uh, Belima and Mike Leach were great friends. When I was out in Albuquerque uh, after the Egg Bowl, after Thanksgiving, Mike and I, Mike called me and we're just sitting here talking. He said, what are you hearing about the bowl game? And I told him, I said, coach, it's going to be either the Gator in North Carolina or Illinois in the Ryquest Bowl. He goes, oh, I would really like that matchup. That's a great defense. He goes, I love Brett. I love being around Brett. We're great friends. That would be awfully fun. And so in many respects, I'm glad that Mike Leach, even though he didn't live to see it, got the matchup that he wanted. All right, so the ballgame starts with a touchback. And we get, again, this delay of the game thing. We line up in the air raid raid formation. Texas Tech did that too, which I thought was really, really classy of them, especially considering the departure Mike Leach had. They left with bad blood. The bad blood still existed on Mike Leach's part until the very end. 
So Texas Tech doing that, I thought, was a really good thing. Very healing, I think, for a lot of people. Showed some appreciation. Because Texas Tech has really never, in many respects, never been better than they were under Mike Leach. Mike Leach and Texas Tech kind of made each other. So Mississippi State does the same thing. And uh, because Brett and the guys at Illinois are gentlemen, of course they declined the penalty. That's the right thing to do. Very first pass of the game, nearly picked here. And not that I believe in the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine. We never ratified that here in the state of Mississippi. But it's an out route to Caleb Ducking that uh, Ducking's able to haul in. Didn't see much from him the rest of the ball game. But a nice completion there makes it second and three. We run Woody up the middle for two. Woody Marks, you know, we have talked about this on the show before. We have had some really tough players wear the maroon and white. I don't know if we've had many tougher than Woody Marks. Very glad to have him on our team. He gets two yards here. We go back on third one, and they stack it up. There was just nothing there. And give that Illinois bear front a lot of credit. We talked about it here on the show. They run the bear front. We put in some offensive wrinkles against them. They kind of came through for us in the second half. But uh, early in that ballgame, I thought their defensive front was kind of winning the line of scrimmage. Now, later in the ballgame, our offensive line and Cole Smith and those guys did whatever they wanted to do. But early on, I thought they kind of took the fight to us. And this is a good example here on third and one. We get nothing, just absolutely nothing there to deal with. Then we get flagged for a delay of the game penalty. I, I don't know how that happens on special teams, to be honest with you. I don't know how that continues to happen. Many of the players on special teams, that is their only responsibility. There should be somebody on the sidelines. Many of you played high school football. When you get into third down, no matter the down and distance, they're already gathering up the coverage team. They're already gathering up the return team. So why do we have to get a delay of the game penalty? That is on coaching, period. That should never happen. And that's not necessarily on Zach Garnett. That's Eric Mealy's group. you got to get that done. You cannot get out there late and get a delay of the game penalty. Ends up being a 37-yard punt. They get a two-yard return. J.P. Purvis with the tackle there. Illinois' first possession begins at their own 36 And from this point forward, I thought the Mississippi State defense basically let Illinois know this is not going to be your day. The very first defensive snap, Sherman Timms, if we had many walk-ons that have been as productive as this guy, I mean, honestly, he won a state championship there at Indianola Academy and people are like, hey, this is a really quality walk-on. And he ends up coming here and staying here, works his way on the two Jeep, too deep in here. And, and what it is about bowl games, it brings out the best in Sherman Thames. Very first play, Tommy DeVito sacked for a two-yard loss. Great play by Sherman. Second 12, DeVito checks it out to Casey Washington, who gets seven. Uh, junior runs him out of bounds. And in third and five, it's incomplete. Randy Charlton gets a hand up. And we talk about Randy Charlton. I don't know that he's gotten enough credit for his time at Mississippi State. And a lot of people may not remember this, but Randy Charlton was dismissed at Central Florida, and it was really nothing to do with him. Randy Charlton was with a couple of buddies. One of the guys was a little too deep in the jug. They happened up on some incident. They were told to leave the scene. The friend got indignant and was disrespectful to police officers. Charlton was not. He just happened, kind of a guilt by association thing. And, uh, so next thing you know, they're arrested. And just because Charlton happened to be on the scene, he was arrested too and dismissed from Central Florida. Mississippi State officials researched that incident extensively before they extended an offer to him, found out that he was not guilty of anything. I think ultimately the charges against him were dropped. I believe that's correct. 
But Randy Charlton's a name you'll remember forever. The game-defining play in the 2022 Egg Bowl is Randy Charlton. Here he is batting down a pass, uh, you know, intended for a running back out in the flats there, or wide receiver out in the flats, makes it third and eight. And Hugh Robertson, no relation that I know of, it's a 47-yard punt out of bounds at the State 12. So they've got us pinned back deep here. We put together a pretty good drive here. Just one, we have a chance for us to flip the field. And uh, it couldn't finish the drive. But again, I thought this was, hey, let, emotional drive the first time. Let, let's kind of get into what we do. We did here in some respects. We're complete to Austin Williams for six. Then we're incomplete to Wally. Brings up a third and four. And then a very tough catch and lean from Tulu gets five. It's a first and ten. We go out to Justin Robinson for a dozen. Now it's first and ten at our 35. We run Woody right for five. Then we're incomplete to Robinson and incomplete to Williams. On both of those plays, the guys were open. Austin Williams, the ball goes to the outside rather than the inside, which is what I suspect where it was intended. Austin just couldn't find the football. He was open on the play, and I think Will made a good throw. Austin just couldn't track it down. If he does, might be a scoring drive. But nevertheless, uh, George punts 40 yards and um, gets banged up here. They don't call it. They, they said it was an acting job. But nevertheless, we got him backed up inside their 20, or right at their 20. Illinois goes to Reggie Love for nothing. DeVito is in uh, complete across the middle for eight and then there is a personal foul. There is a face mask penalty uh, against Jalen Green. And it was. It was legit. You hated to see it, but it was legit because it's about to be third and short. We give him a first down. Then they hit Isaiah Williams for 21, who is a fantastic player. Watching him run, how effortless it is for him to catch a football and then get upfield. You know, a lot of guys have to catch it and kind of recalibrate. Not him. This guy gets in and out of his breaks. He's on the smaller side, but he looks like a pro to me. But 21 yards there on the completion. Now it's first and 10 at our 36. They go back to him for just two yards, and uh, Colin and Jet stack that up. Second and eight, Reggie Love runs for a five-yard gain, brings up a third and three. Very manageable third and three here, and we have a chance to get off the field. However, Reggie Love powers through and breaks a tackle and gets the first down here. But we had him stopped. We should have been able to make the play, but to credit to him, he's able to fight through and move the sticks. False start penalty makes it first and 15 from our 30. They run Josh McRae for one. DeVito is incomplete to Isaiah Williams for five. And that guy is so slippery. Again, I'm not going to keep being a fanboy for him, but I really like his game a lot. Third and nine, what do you know? State brings the heat, gets another sack, set the second of seven on the day, and it's Randy Charlton doing the honors. But it's Buki Watson that comes through there and kind of forces the action and makes DeVito tuck the football, which allows Charlton to get there. Crumbity kind of helped clean it up a little bit, wasn't credited with the half sack there. But I had a Bulldog assistant coach tell me, even before these balls were snapped, we were already calling for a sack on the sidelines because we knew we had added some wrinkles they hadn't seen, and due to their alignment, we knew they weren't going to be able to block us up. They attempt a 52-yard field goal that sells right, Lane Hansen misses that thing. He had the distance, just didn't have the direction. State takes over to 34. Will Rogers complete to Tulu Griffin for 13 out near midfield. First and 10 then. We're incomplete to Woody. They break that ball up. We're, then we're short to, to Tulu out there. Brings up a third and 10. Then we're incomplete to Caleb Ducking. They get in our face a little bit here. But uh, 
again, you get out near midfield and there's nothing there. And again, give Illinois some credit. They weren't the number one scoring defense by accident. I think watching them in person, you know what I'm saying, having them see them line up against us, you really get a sense that program appears to be ascending. It really does. And I know that uh, Ryan Walters, a great defensive coach, has taken the head coaching job at Purdue. But uh, I like the look of this a lot on a team. I really do. All right, George in a 48-yard punt. They say that uh, their rusher was blocked into George. That was the right call. I didn't like it live. And then when they showed the replay, I said, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. But again, we flipped the field on them here. We've got them backed up inside their own 15-yard line. Reggie Loveden runs for two yards out to the 15. DeVito is incomplete to Michael Marchese. Third and eight, we get off the field and again get some pressure in the face. It's incomplete out to Pat Bryant. A 54-yard punt from a guy I'm sure that would claim to be my cousin. Tuli returns it for nine yards, but we're out at our 40. Better field position. We're beginning to win the battle of field position here, right? Weren't able to sustain drives, but you're able to get a couple first downs. You get a good punt, you get good coverage. And if you can get a stop, you can get the ball back out near midfield. And that's exactly what happened here. Good football here and a kind of an ugly first quarter. And we expected it to be an ugly game. We knew that it wasn't going to be a masterpiece of offensive execution. We're a good defense. They're a really good defense. We had the better defense on that day. But, you know, we expect it to be a lower-scoring game. I don't know that it was as low-scoring as maybe my expectations were that we'd maybe get in the 20s. Uh, but either way, it's, a, it's been an ugly first quarter dominated by the defense. So we take over at our 40 with just 2.02 to go in the quarter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But complete to Tulu, and I'm glad to see Tulu be, being kind of an active participant early in this ballgame, one of our most explosive playmakers. Makes it second and six. We hit Rufus for 17, and now we're all the way down inside the Illinois 40. You're thinking, okay, first drive was a clunker. Second drive, you got a couple first downs. Now all of a sudden, we kind of figured out how they're defending us. Let's go down here and make something happen. All right, on first and 10, uh, Will gets flushed, tucks it, runs ahead for no gain avoids a sack there. We were not sacked the entire ball game. Had a handful of games like that this year, right? Second and 10, last play of the first quarter, we run Woody off left side for four, which makes a uh, third and six as we open the second quarter. So no score after one. But I think, you know, maybe you felt like me. I felt like that offensively, we were doing better than them. We weren't doing great by any stretch of the imagination because we gauge offensive production by points. But it seemed like it felt like just any moment now, State was going to kind of get this thing on track. And this drive kind of felt that way. Third and six, we're complete to Austin Williams for 16, which gets us in the red zone. First and 10, complete to Justin Robinson for six, who I think is going to be a star for us as we kind of move forward. Second and four, we're complete to Rufus for six. Now it's first and goal at the seven. You're thinking, okay, let's just be patient here. I would have given the ball to Woody. Instead, we try to run this little slant concept to Rufus. I did not realize it at the time, but the ball was tipped at the line. It looks really bad on film if you don't make that assumption, right? You just think, where in the world is he throwing it? Well, they're running that picket fence there. 
and Rufus was open. Maybe it was Tulu. I, I can't remember which one it was. But we get, in, we get coverage there, and we're able to get inside, and it's going to be a touchdown. It's going to be a touchdown. And the ball is tipped at the line and then intercepted by Matthew Bailey. But again, live, it didn't appear like it was tipped. It looked like Will just had, there was somebody on the right page. But again, you credit that Illinois front. You know, if you score there, who knows how this game turns out. But that drive, it felt like, you know what? We've kind of got them where we want them. Now it's time to go get some pay dirt, and it doesn't work out for us. And again, credit to Jerzon Newton for tipping the ball that leads to the interception. It still counts, no matter what happens. But that was a very disappointing turn of events. Illinois then takes over at their 17-yard line. Uh, DeVito is complete to Williams for six. On second and four, he goes back to Casey Washington for five to move the chains. First and ten from the Illinois 28. Reggie Love, one of his better carries of the day, bounces the ball outside, wins the foot race to the sidelines and gets a dozen yards. Decam eventually runs him out of bounds. But now it's first and ten at their 40. They hit Isaiah Williams for 13 yards, which gets the ball across midfield onto our 47. First and 10, it's incomplete. They end up calling timeout here. Second and 10, uh, Josh McRae runs for two. I think of the two uh, Illinois backs, he was probably the least exposed. Reggie Love is a good player to me. Maybe a compliment back, maybe not a starter, but Reggie Love looks to be a good player. All right, third and eight, we bring the heat again. It's Bookie Watson. He created the sack last time. He gets credit for it this time. Makes it 4th and 11 from 48. And then Hugh, Hugh Robertson, touchback on the punt there. Going again, 1st and 10 from our 20. Rodgers incomplete to Austin Williams. Uh, again, the ball broken down, broken up at the line of scrimmage. And they, they have very active hands. You can see why they were so successful this year. All right, 2nd and 10. Will Rodgers then runs left for 4 yards and gets out of bounds. Makes a manageable 3rd and 6. We hit at Jaden Wiley, who I thought played well for us in the ball game. And uh, put on Instagram afterwards, after we won the game, he says, I think we've earned the right to go have a fish sandwich behind the shade tree with our fat little girlfriends. R.I.P. the Pirate. I like that. All right, so first and 10, uh, we give it to Simeon Price, who played really well for Mississippi State. You know, we, we basically had two scholarship backs to lean on. Woody got banged up a little bit in this game, and Simeon had to carry more of the load. Of course, Woody does come back, and late in that ballgame, I thought Woody and Simeon were absolutely outstanding for State as that offensive line began to kind of get some push there and kind of bully that front from Illinois. But Price with a run to the middle here for three, makes it second and seven, then we're incomplete, pass broken up. And on third and seven, listen, I know it works like a punt here, but I didn't like the decision here by Will. And, uh, of course, the accuracy is off. He's having to kind of roll to his left. If you throw that ball more towards the boundary, you give Rufus a chance. You throw it back inside toward the hash. There's a defender lurking there. That's what happened. And uh, Rufus can't win uh, the high ball contest there. Kendall Smith elevates there and picks it off. Second pick of the quarter. But, again, it just felt like to me that we were kind of shooting ourselves in the foot here. And, again, give Illinois credit for making plays. All right, first and 10 now from their 23. And this is, you know, this is a drive, right? They put this thing together. And again, we were kind of uh, conspirators in our own demise here. They had not done anything offensively, and we do some things to kind of help them here. They run Reggie Love off the right side, and we bang him for a two-yard loss. Nathan Pickering knifing through there to make the play. Second and 12, DeVito is incomplete across uh, the left side to Isaiah Williams. He gets loose for 41 yards. 
big game for him. First and 10, they go back to Casey Washington. Now they're really driving, okay? Now they're approaching the red zone here with a full head of steam, and it's like they have figured some things out to kind of negate the Bulldog pass rush. It's a chess match. First and 10, DeVito then complete uh, to tip Ryman for nine yards, makes it second and one. They give it to McRae, who not, who bulls ahead for four yards to make it first and 10 at our 12. First and 10, Josh McRae runs off left side for a yard. Second and nine, DeVito then complete to Williams for eight. I thought he was going to score there, to be honest with you. I thought he was going to score. And it's Randy Charlton getting down the field, making a tackle. Third and one, DeVito rushes up the middle on the quarterback sneak to give them a first and goal situation for the two. They run Reggie Love inside. We stack him up. Demonte Russell credited with the tackle there, but there were a host of Bulldogs there to make the play. On second and two, DeVito runs off left side. A quarterback power action deal there for the touchdown. Extra point is good. They kick off. It is now 7-0 Illini with just 2.49 to go in the first half. Well, Rodgers is incomplete to Woody Marks for five. Makes it second five from our 30. We hit Justin Robinson. And a great play here from Will. Not to only get this pass off and avoid the sack, but to throw a strike to Justin Robinson, who paid for it. Really, you know, good catch, but he took a big lick there. Hangs on, and it's across midfield to the Illini 45. First and 10 Bulldogs. And you feel like, hey, we got a chance here to get even right before the half. At second and five, Will is, uh, excuse me, first and 10. Woody runs up the middle for five. On second and five, we hit Will. <laughs> we have the, the little trick play. And live, I thought, you know, Justin Robinson is wide open, and, and Jaden Wally was a high school quarterback, right? So he has the arm to get it there. But it's like he never looked for it. When I went back and watched the replay of the game, it's like he already got his mind made up. He was going to run or throw it out to Will. He, he showed run and then swings it out to Will, who is credited with the pass reception for 13 yards. So congratulations, Will Rogers, for getting in the stat column as a thrower, as a runner, as a receiver. I don't know if that's ever happened for Will. <laughs> so first and 10. And we're, we, I mean, listen, I'm glad that we're showing some innovation and some surprise stuff here, right? Kind of keep them off balance. We did a couple things I thought was very, were very interesting. That was one of them. All right, we're incomplete to Tulu, and then we hit Justin Robinson for no gain here. Brings up a third and 10 situation. We, we check it across to Woody, who fights ahead uh, for seven. Sets up a field goal with 13 seconds. Massimo Biscardi knocks it through. It is now a 7-3 ball game. We kick off, and we have this craziness like, we're just going to squib it down there. They challenge it. I don't know what you're trying to gain there. They challenge the play, and they give them a chance to run another play, and then they just run off left side. And so so thanks for wasting our time. All right, so beginning of the second half, it just still kind of felt like, you know what, it was still anybody's ball game. But I felt like if we could stop shooting ourselves in the foot, that they were not going to be able to score against us. I know their last drive was one that was very, very good, and give them credit for that. But some of that was us. So Arnett, Matt Brock, make some adjustments at the half and really, in many respects, dominated play here in the second half. We had some very auspicious penalties that extended drives for them. But defensively, I thought we really took the fight to them here in the second half. And again, our offensive line kind of wore them down. But Illinois starts at, uh, at their own 22. DeVito is incomplete to Miles Scott. Then they run Josh McRae on the left side for nothing. Brings up a third and ten. We bring the heat, passes in, complete Emmanuel Forbes for the PBU there. A three and out, great start for your Bulldog defense. Hugh Robertson, 52-yard punt to Lou with the fair catch at our 26. First and 10 now, Bulldogs. 
Uh, Willis complete to Jaden Wiley for six. Then we're complete to ducking for three. Brings up a manageable third and one. We do not convert. So both defenses credited with three and outs on the first drives of the, set of the third quarter, second half. All right, we punt George with a 44-yarder. We got him back at their 21. They run Reggie Love off really up the middle for seven. They go back to him and run for eight. Now, all of a sudden, it's a first and 10 at their 36. Complete the Reggie Love. Reggie with three consecutive touches there, seven yards. They bring in McCray to give him a bit of a, ble- a breather, and he runs for four yards to convert a second and three situation. Now they're out near midfield, first and 10 from their 47. It's complete to Marchese for seven. Now it's second and three at our 46. Now in Bulldog territory, McCray runs off left side for five to move the sticks. DeVito is incomplete to Casey Washington. Now to the 30, and you think, you know, we're in trouble. We've got to get a stop. It's really, you know, a situation here where it felt like we were on our heels a little bit after dominating that first series. All right, first and 10 from our 30. It's incomplete, and uh, Jalen Green with a PBU there. Second and 10, they're complete to Isaiah Williams, but it is a two-yard loss, and there's Sherman Timms again, the Shermanator. Out there making things happen. Third and 12, Jaden Crombody credited with a sack here as the pressure and the coverage both work in concert to limit their opportunities down the field. Fourth and 14, they convert a 52-yard field goal. Uh, Lane Hansen coming through there. And as the commentator said, uh, longest field goal in Illinois Bowl history. So congratulations, Lane. Uh, you got an L in your first name. All right, 10 to 3 now, Alina. And the game, it didn't feel like the game was getting away from us, but you look up and you think, man, it's already less than seven minutes to go in a third quarter. we got to get something together. Very first thing we do is hurt ourselves with a false start penalty, make it first and 15, but we go right back to Justin Robinson for 22 yards. Justin Robinson, of course, named the game's most outstanding player. Certainly deserved it. His best game in a uniform, in my estimation. All right, first and 10 from our 42. We give it to Woody for seven, and it, it seems like that's always there, right? It just seems like... If you can get Woody on the edge, he runs behind his pads. It's going to be a positive game. You just got to let him get going. All right, second and three. Will Rogers complete the Tulu for a dozen here. Makes it first and 10 now at the Illini 39-yard line. Price runs at the middle for three. Then there's a false start, and it was true. Albert Reese has played well for us when he's been in there, but he's had a couple pre-snap penalties. All right, second and 12. We'll complete the Simeon Price for five. And on third and seven, we go across the middle to Justin Robinson, a big catch and a big situation for eight yards and a first down. All right, first and 10, we're complete to Woody for two, brings up a second and eight. Keith Randolph gets back there. That guy's a pro, man. That guy's a pro. Forces a quick throw. Will has to throw off balance. It's incomplete to Jaden Wiley. Third and eight, we're complete to Jaden Wiley for 10. And now it's, it's beginning to feel like a destiny-type drive, right? It's like this is the drive we're going to go kind of exert ourselves here. First and 10 from their 16-yard line. Uh, Woody runs off left side for five. I like the call in the red zone going to Woody, especially when we're spreading you out like that because that's a guy, once he gets an opportunity to lean forward, he normally does, especially in the red zone. Second five from their 11. We completed a J.J. Jernigan. This is a bad situation for us here. Probably should have thrown this ball away. Fortunately, we didn't lose any yards. Third and five, Will gets flushed and then runs up the middle for three, which makes it a fourth and two. Rather than just rush the situation, they were a little late marking the football, which enabled us to run the quarter out. And then perhaps the play of the game here. On fourth and two, and the offensive line did an outstanding job right here on this play. Go back and watch it again. Outstanding. Will had all day to throw. 
We already saw how they expected to run pass coverage in the red zone. They're running that picket fence concept. And the best way to do it is to go over the fence because they're basically squatting on everything underneath. And so you've got their eyes looking forward. You go behind them, and sure enough, Justin sneaks behind them. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I saw the play live, I thought he was out of bounds. I did credit my wife. Immediately she said he's in. I think that was wishful thinking, but she proved to be correct. Will has to throw that ball with some height. You've got to let your guy go elevate. And Justin does a great job getting the foot down. The pictures, the replays all show on that back line that, yes, he was in. They said the play stood. The play should have been confirmed. Either way, we get the same six points. Extra point is good. The game is now tied. It's a great drive for Mississippi State. And again, two good defenses playing. But in the second half, the Bulldogs proved to have the better defensive effort. All right, so now it's a tie ball game with just a few seconds ticked off the clock in the fourth quarter. DeVito takes over at their 18. He's complete the Casey Washington for eight, which makes a second two. They give it to Reggie Love, who gets four. They call it back on a hold. And I thought State really began to identify, too, this Illinois offensive line had some issues. They began to call plays, stunts, and twists to bring confusion to certain players. They had to grab and hold to keep State from knifing into the backfield. All right, second 12 here. Uh, DeVito runs, and he's credited with uh, you know a run for no yards, and this really is a product of State bringing the heat here, getting in his face. He runs out of bounds there. Does not credit it with a sack, but the fact that that's a negative play has everything to do with the Bulldog pass rush. Third and 12, we give up the completion here, and again, they're trying to negate the pass rush here, so they're letting us vacate, and they're running some concepts up the middle, and Griffin Moore with a great catch and run here, 17 yards, moves the sticks, makes it first and 10, and then DeVito's incomplete. Again, we're in his face. He has to throw the ball away. Second and 10, it's incomplete, and then they flag us for unsportsmanlike conduct. Now, this is a penalty, too. I don't like the call. Okay, now I'm a firm proponent of just go back to the huddle and you make a play here. Jalen Green, great job here against their premier receiver. I'm sure they love the matchup because they got Williams paired up with a safety. Jalen Green, a former five-star, runs with him step for step and is able to get in there and defend the play. Sean Preston comes over, does the little whipping motion, and they flag him for unsportsmanlike conduct. Keep the flag in your pocket. He's celebrating. He wasn't taunting. They flag him front sportsmanlike conduct. It's about to be third and 10 from their 33. And instead, the officials make this determination and it gives them a first down. This really added some life to Illinois. They were on the ropes here. I mean, they're scratching and clawing for everything they get. Now, should Preston have done it? No. Should he be in flagged? No. But instead, this call could have absolutely changed the game. Absolutely could have. I don't like the call. I don't like the whipping motion either. But it's, he was looking at Jalen Green. He is celebrating a play. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Just let it go. As the official, just say, hey, go back to the huddle. It's stupid. And again, I wouldn't have done it, but it shouldn't have been called. Now it's first and 10 out near midfield. They're complete to Casey Washington for nine. And what do you know? It's another holding call. Because State's running those twists and those stunts inside, and they're having trouble passing players off. First and, t- first and 20 now to complete the Marchese for three. Makes it second and 17. We get to DeVito again. Cam Young, an absolute bull, and good luck to him as he prepares for the NFL draft. 
Now it's third and 26. DeVito is complete to Hank Beatty. And they flag Randy Charlton for a hold here. Yes, he held him a little bit. He held an eligible receiver. But in that situation, I think it's a judgment call there. Yes, he is eligible to go out there. I think you got to judge intent here. I think you also got to think about the, the, the situation. He, there's no way he's about to check that ball down to love. He's not. He's not. That's not what he's going to do. Now, is it holding? Yes. Is that within the spirit of the rule? No, it's not. It's third and 26. And you're going to call that? And it was the white hat who called it. I, I didn't agree with the call. I didn't. So, again, back-to-back penalty. I say back-to-back. Two penalties on big downs that extend this drive for Illinois. And fortunately for us, they weren't able to capitalize. Now it's first and 10 from their 42 after we have backed them up and taken the fight to them, made their offensive linemen consider pursuing something else other than football in their future. But instead, it's first and 10. Reggie Love then runs for a two-yard loss. I thought that was a great response by the Bulldog defense. Second and 12. It's complete to Isaiah Williams for 12 for the first down. First and 10 now across midfield. We get DeVito again. Another sag. Devontae Russell coming through there with back-to-back good plays. Makes it second and 12. And again, DeVito at this point is probably seeing Buki Watson against peripheral vision whether he's there or not. I thought Buki really changed the game here. Second and 12. DeVito's incomplete. Third and 12. Incomplete again. Out to Isaiah Williams. Just a great effort. Just a great effort by the Bulldog defense. And then my cousin Hugh, 42 yards to the MSU 8. Tulu makes the fair catch there. And this drive here, I know it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but it really felt like at this point, I won't say that we had broken them, but it felt like they were bending, right? It felt like we had kind of had some success here. You have that great drive to close the third quarter that ends in a, four, a fourth quarter touchdown. And then we, our next possession, we're right back here, and it really felt like the Bulldog offensive line had taken charge of this ball game. Even though this drive didn't end the way we wanted it to, I felt like this was a significant drive because it gave us the opportunity uh, to win field position late. But we take over to our eight, and at this point you're Illinois, you're thinking, you know what, you get a stop here. we got a chance to get the ball back here and make a decisive play, maybe get a field goal. That's not the case, though. Well, Rodgers completed Jaden Wiley for seven. And it's good to see those two on the same page, right? It really is. Second and three, Simeon Rice runs for 14. And this is your Bulldog offensive line really beginning to exert themselves. Out to the 29-yard line. And then we go to Woody. Runs off left side for 16. So that's two – that's back-to-back carries for your Bulldog running backs that net 30 yards. First and 10, we give it back to Woody, who gets six, jumps up, trying to leap over. I mean, we talk about playing with effort. This is a guy that's been broken up all year long. And here he is trying to go win a game for you all and for his teammate and his university, putting his body on the line. He already left the game one time with a minor injury, and he comes back. And here in the fourth quarter, running hard, playing hard, putting putting the team on his back. Second and four, a little flare pass out there to Rufus Harvey. An incredible throw here, too. Really a great throw. Uh, Rufus gets 10 here. We get out of bounds. First and 10 at their 39, and it really felt like, again, we we're about to go put this ball in the end zone. We get a bad snap. Lasoya just kind of rolls it back there. Will has to go dive on it. Now it's second and 12. We're incomplete across the middle to Caleb Ducking. And in third and 12, we, we try to go to Rufus, and uh, ball a little bit behind him. It's broken up there. No, this is the play, too, where Randolph again gets his hand up there. But now we got a punt. 
But at least we're punting from their 41 and not our 11. Because, this, again, this drive started at our 8. And while it didn't net any points, it was an important drive in the concepts of this fourth quarter. When you begin to look at how this fourth quarter played out, this was a decisive drive for State, even though it didn't get points. All right. <clears throat> you back them up here. They begin at their 20. Uh, Reggie Love runs off right side for six. Second and four, complete the Casey Washington for seven. First down there, first and ten then. And all of a sudden, Jed Johnson comes nice knifing through for the sack. It looked to be a little bit of a, a stunt. And Jet comes off the right side, gets into DeVito's grill, and gets up and swings his sword. Second 20 now, DeVito complete for 14 to Isaiah Williams. That's the thing. you got to know where it's going. That's him. They call timeout with 2.02 to play. Third and six is incomplete to Isaiah Williams. And, and he had him. He just overthrew him. He's paired up out there, if I remember correctly, with Colin Duncan. And, and Williams is a mismatch for anybody, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but the ball is thrown too far towards the boundary, and Williams unable to come up with it, gets a hand on it, just can't pull it in. That's a stop State needed. Uh, Robertson with a 43-yard punt, Tulu a one-yard return. So we're going to have a chance to go win the ball game here on what should be the final drive of the game. Should have been. Take over our 21. We'll now complete the Tulu for 19. And right here, I think we all started feeling it. Like, this is going to be it. And again, we have had offensive success on three consecutive drives here. Our first and 10, we go to Simeon Price for five. Minute 30 to go. We call a timeout. We find Jaden Wally for 10. And it's so good. So good to see Jaden Wally making big catches in big games as a player. Now we're across midfield, and you think, okay, we're just going to play for the field goal here. First and 10, Price gets loose off the left side for 13 yards. Now it's first and 10 if they're 32. We go back to Price for two. Second and eight, we swing it out to Tulu, but Tyler Strang gets a hand on it, breaks it up. Third and eight, and you're thinking here, man, this is just going to boil down to Massimo Biscardi having to kick a field goal from 50 yards or more to win the game. Simeon Price said, nah, I got you. I got you. He cuts this ball. Man, if you go back and look at this play, the flow of the play is going towards the sideline, and Price puts his foot in the ground, cuts back up the middle, runs 28 yards down to the line out two. He nearly scores. You know, one more step of balance, and it's a touchdown. We call timeout with 12 seconds to go. Will lines it up, and Steve Spurrier Jr. calls a timeout with seven seconds to go. You got to let that thing kick down to three seconds. You got to make sure this is the last play of the game. We don't. We don't. Could have cost us. It nearly did. However, we kicked the field goal, and it's good. Now we got to kick off. We should just be in the locker room celebrating. Right now, everybody should be getting ready for post game and getting their bowl hats and T-shirts. But we mismanage the clock. With a one-score game, you put yourself in a situation where you got to kick off. You could have let this thing just tick on down. You kick the field goal. It's the final play of the game. Everybody drives home happy, but no, we didn't do that. It's a colossal mistake. Fortunately, it didn't hurt us, but that kind of stuff can't happen. Absolutely cannot happen. I understand Arnett was absolutely incensed on the sidelines. Phil goal is good from 27 yards. Of course, they try to ice him, but that didn't work out. So now it's 13-10. State has been in this game all game long, and again, it felt like State was the better team. The scoreboard just didn't reflect it until this moment. With three seconds to go. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, so we kick it off with four seconds, excuse me, and they jump on it, take they down it, and then, you know, the circus comes to town here. I do admire their play here. 
They get it out to Williams, who is their fastest player. And you got to think, if nothing else, he is going to break some tackles and advance the football, and you can work on the backside. So it gets to Williams, who laterals to Tip Ryman, who then laterals to Casey Washington, and then they get it back to the quarterback. You're thinking, my goodness, they ought to be able to get that ball from sideline to sideline. You know, if everybody flushes over to DeVito, and lo and behold, DeVito th- tries to throw it back to Williams, the quarterback. Tries to throw it back to Williams. The pass is short, and Williams quits on the play. Williams did not go fight for the football, which is surprising to me. I think maybe you're just kind of so in tune with when the ball hits the ground, it's done. That's still a live ball. It's a lateral. And Marcus Banks picks it up, and the Bulldog sideline explodes. Go, go, go. And he returns it 60 yards for a touchdown, and gamblers around the world either rejoiced or revolted. Because Mississippi State then covered on the final play of the game in one of the most unusual endings to a football game that we've ever seen, Mississippi State. And of course, that last play, there was a cheap shot on Emmanuel Forbes. They did call the penalty there. And it really, you know, I know it's last play of the game, last play of the season. Under normal circumstances, that's probably worse than a penalty. And, and probably should be. Probably something that the, the league office should look into in, in, in the, over the course of a season, it was clearly malicious intent. Forbes was just running around, celebrating, and uh, one of the Illini receivers apparently was very sour about losing the game and took a cheap shot on Emmanuel Forbes. There's just no place for that in the game of college football. Shouldn't be. But nevertheless, Mississippi State wins 19-10. Great start to the Zach Arnett era. All right, time for today's top 10 list, brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. It's good to have a friend in the industry whenever you need to get your mortgage needs taken care of. Many people, the dream of home ownership has eluded them, and maybe it's because you had the, long, the wrong loan officer championing your cause. Blair Chandler is a winner, 21 years of experience in the industry, and I don't care who you are or where you're from, you spend two decades in an industry, you know what you're doing, they won't keep you around otherwise. Coffee is for closers, Blair gets more than his share. Give him a call today at 601-500-2344, again that's 601-500-2344, and let him get you into the house. Get off the hamster wheel of renting. Maybe you're looking to change residences, and maybe maybe you think, hey, we didn't get a great deal last time. Nobody is going to work harder for you than Blair Chandler. That's 601-500-2344. And mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard, and, and many of you have, and you've been able to get to the closing table. He'll pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. A lot of other people want your business. Blair Chandler proves it each and every day. That's closewithblair.com. All right, you may have heard Chad Bumpus. Heading back to the Magnolia State. I love Chad. I've known Chad since he was a sophomore in high school. Got put some uh, great seasons together at Mississippi State. Three and one in Egg Bowls. And here's what I'll tell you, too. Zach Arnett has talked about making a renewed commitment to recruiting in Mississippi. This is a great step in that direction. One of the things I can tell you for certain about Chad Bumpus, he will give Ole Miss unshirted hell on the recruiting trail each and every day. Chad picked Mississippi State because he wanted to be a part of this rivalry. He understands the rivalry. He understands recruiting in the state of Mississippi. 
Chad knows Mississippi, and more importantly, Mississippi knows Chad Bumpus. He will not be the last assistant coach added to the staff with ties to Mississippi and a history of recruiting the Magnolia State. So in Chad's honor, we're going to do a coming home playlist. Top 10 songs about coming home. Number 10, a super group that was put together a few years ago. Maybe you guys know this project, and maybe you don't. But it's a band called Sons of Apollo. They're a progressive hard rock band. Mike Portnoy, who I think is the best drummer alive, technically. It used to be Neil Peart. Now it's Mike Portnoy. Mike Portnoy, of course, a founding member of Dream Theater, teamed up with bassist Billy Sheehan. They, of course, have the winery dogs with Richie Kotzen as well, very a powerful supergroup trio. Keyboardist Derek Shanahan, vocalist Jeff Scott Soto. If you know metal, you know Jeff Scott Soto. And then Ron Bumblefoot Thal. They call him Bumblefoot, former guitarist in Guns N' Roses. Phenomenal player. Had a great song called Coming Home. I think Jeff Scott Soto's vocals on this are outstanding. So number 10 on your list, Sons of Apollo, Coming Home. Number 9, Flashing back to a soft rock band from the 90s who had their heyday then. It's the Goo Goo Dolls. And it is their song, Home. Take me home. When everything else is going crazy in life, just take me home. That's how I feel sometimes, too. Just bring me home. Number eight, Phil Collins. Phil Collins, an absolute musical genius. He had a great song several years ago called Take Me Home. That's number eight on your list. Phil Collins, Take Me Home. Number seven, a song that Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters said is the best song he's ever written. Now, I don't know that I agree with that, but it is an absolutely beautiful song where Dave plays the piano. Dave, an ultra-talented guy. So number seven on your list is the Foo Fighters song, Home. You may be somewhat unfamiliar with that song, and it's really the only slowdown we have. Everything else is kind of of the rocking version. But after three bangers, I thought maybe we go with a ballad here. So Home from Foo Fighters, number seven. Number six, one of my favorite bands, one of your favorite bands, led by uh, the great vocalist Miles Kennedy. It's Alter Bridge, born from the ashes of the great 90s rock band Creed. It's basically Creed with a new singer. I think anything that Alter Bridge has done is as good or better than anything Creed ever did. And I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that Miles Kennedy was such an accomplished songwriter and a great guitarist that he allowed Mark Tremonti to really explore the expanses of his own talent. We're going back to the Blackbird album. It's a great song called Coming Home. I'm Coming Home. It's great. I love that song. I love that whole album. Number five, a band that I met in Tupelo, Mississippi years ago, back when the Rev was still alive. It's Avenged Sevenfold. Me and a very young Andy Robertson went to go see Save and Able, Shine Down, Avenged Sevenfold, Buck Cherry. Great show at the Bancor South Arena. Got some good Bulldogs at work for that, that venue. They've been very kind to me over the years. But it's Avenged Sevenfold's Coming Home, number five. Probably one of M. Shadow's best vocal performances. M. Shadow's, in my estimation, may be the best rock vocalist out there of the heavier version. 
Number four, a song that uh, kind of harkens back to John Cohen's return to Starkville after a great career of college baseball coaching in Kentucky. And John referenced this song in his introductory press conference. It's from Bon Jovi. It's Who Says You Can't Go Home. Number four, Bon Jovi. Number three, one of my favorite songs from the Cinderella catalog, going back, all the way back to the Long Cold Winter album, which was the sophomore offering from this great band, Cinderella. It's a song, Coming Home. I love it. It's a wonderful song. I like Tom Kiefer. I've met Tom Kiefer. I got pictures to prove it. I've got a Cinderella tattoo. Number two, and this song is very special to me. Years ago, my wife and I renewed our, our vows. It was very important to her. I guess she had a midlife crisis and thought perhaps I was going to trade her in for a younger model. I never will. I'm with her forever. But my kids played and sang this song at the service. My son played the guitar. My girls helped sing. And it's the Chris Daughtry classic, Home. I'm coming home, a place where I belong. It's great. Everything about the song is beautiful. Uh, he wrote the song, obviously, about his wife. And uh, many of us that share that sentiment love this song. So number two on the list is Daughtry's Home. We couldn't do a song about coming home, though, without Ozzy Osbourne. So your number one song is a song that Ozzy wrote about his wife, Sharon. Hadn't always been the best of times between those two, but the Prince of Darkness, still doing a great job. And when I was out in Miami, I was, at my, I was in Key Largo, and Ozzy's trending on Twitter, and you guys are making me think that perhaps Ozzy has passed away. So I had to stop what I was doing in research and find out that people were just playing a practical joke on us. And a member of Ozzy's uh, group tweeted out, Ozzy's fine, could put on some tunes and enjoy him while he's still here. It's amazing that Ozzy is still alive. It really is. So Mama, I'm Coming Home is number one for us. Mama, I'm Coming Home. That's from the Zach Wilde era, too. That's when uh, Zach played guitar, Mike Inez on bass, Randy Castillo on drums, and, of course, Ozzy on the mic. So there you go, your top 10 songs about coming home in honor of our, our friend, our legend, Chad Bumpus. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. The best way to do that is to find Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can find our great list on Spotify, too. Many of you have reached out to me and said, Steve, I love these playlists because when I'm riding down the road, sometimes I get tired of picking music and maybe Sirius XM Octane or Hair Nation or whatever is on repeat. I like experiencing something new. And again, you're familiar with all of these acts, except for perhaps Sons of Apollo, which is one of the reasons that I plugged it in here. Give you something fresh and new. I think you're going to really dig that track. But of course, many of these artists you're very familiar with in some of these songs. But anytime that we can get Chris Daughtry, Cinderella, Goo Goo Dolls, Phil Collins, and the Foo Fighters, along with Event Sevenfold, it's a good list. I love the list. I think you guys will enjoy this, too. And again, themed about Chad's homecoming to Mississippi State. So excited about Chad, excited about the list. And uh, thanks so much for your support of the top 10 list. So many of you have, uh, have shared with me how important that is to you. I've had some people, other people that say, you know what, Steve, I always fast forward through the top 10 list. My feelings are not hurt. Some have said, Steve, I'm not really a music guy. That's okay, too. That's okay, too. You feel free to live your life as you choose. I, I always have music on, except at times like these, when I'm having to record. But prior to this, I was jamming. 
When it's over and I'm editing, I'll be jamming. I'll get in the car and I'll run the town. I'll be jamming. I tell you a song, too, that uh, I listen to a lot. You know, my wife is like I'm the romantic in the relationship. Very much so. My wife is very appreciative that I am. But she doesn't share a lot of that stuff with me. Like, I mean, she, she's a wonderful wife. Don't get me wrong. But she is a person, too, that every so often she'll say something. And uh, there, you guys have heard me talk about the band Slaves. They fired their singer. And the song, the, 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 excuse me, the name Slaves is about addiction because all the guys in that band were in recovery. And so they, talked, they named the band Slaves because of the fact uh, that they were kind of slaves to addiction for a while. And then there was, of course, obviously a very negative connotation with that. And so as everybody went through this uh, kind of cancel culture thing, they elected to change the name of the band because they had a new singer and said, you know what, let's, let's take this opportunity to rebrand our band. And so they're called Rain City Drive now. I really love those guys. Of course, the, the earlier album, uh, To Better Days, was recorded as Slaves. It has now been rebranded as Rain City Drive. The new album is out. It is fabulous. I listen to it in its entirety as I'm driving from Florida. But my wife told me the song uh, Blood Runs Cold, is, she said, that reminds me of us. Not every lyric, but she loves the song, and um, and so I jammed it a lot. And uh, matter of fact, last night when I got home, I was missing her, and I, I screenshot the fact that I was listening to it and sent it to her, and she loved it. So if you're looking for some modern rock, let me encourage you, give that new Rain City Drive album a spin. I think you really dig that. I, I do. I, I've loved everything they've done, uh, even the earlier albums. I do think the songwriting is a lot better these last couple of albums. Since they've changed singers, it's not quite as contrived. Uh, but I do love it. So if you're looking for a new modern rock band to get into, I, I'm like that. Sometimes I, say, I wish I could find a new band uh, to really get excited about. Rain City Drive is that band for me. And, uh, of course, if you're a serious XM Octane listener, you have probably heard that song, Blood Runs Cold, uh, over and over. Uh, it is now one of the songs in heavy rotation on that channel. And, and I listen to that in Hair Nation and sometimes Ozzy's Boneyard. Uh, and that's one of the reasons the show is called The Boneyard. It's a way for me to kind of incorporate my love of rock and roll and Mississippi State. But, uh, so it's kind of a hat tip to Ozzy's Boneyard. But uh, be sure and check them out. Rain City Drive, I think you'll dig those guys. Maybe at some point we do a top 10 of them because I would love to kind of turn you on to that band even more. The vocalists, both guys have been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. But there's a little less R&B and more true rock, more of the industrial type sound in the newer material. So be sure and check that out. Uh, Rain City Drive. And again, the current single is uh, Blood Runs Cold. All right, time for the next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, campusbookmart.net. That's the place to go if you're looking for Mississippi State merch. When you're in town, go by and see them. You'll be happy with their selection. The Bully Shop has been completely expanded. It's all uh, upstairs now. They're no longer in the textbook, but it's allowed, textbook business, but it's allowed them to expand their selection. A lot of people make the claim that they have the greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise. They are pretenders to the throne. Campus Bookmart has the best selection of Mississippi State merch. You're looking for those Mike Leach pullovers and hoodies and things like that. You can find them at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. 
Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Because when you order that Mike Leach hoodie, your significant other or teenage son or daughter is going to want one too. And I tell you this, when we were down in Florida, I saw a bunch of Bulldog fans when we'd stop to get gas, whatever. A lot of Bulldogs travel with that Mike Leach black and white state shirt. You'll want one too. And I think it's important for us to all do that. And uh, I wish what they would do is maybe set up a way that you buy the shirt and then part of the proceeds goes towards that scholarship fund. I think that's something the university uh, could probably set up and do. Uh, but nobody asked me. This is my personal opinion. But, uh, again, get those Mike Leach shirts. You'll be glad you did at campusbookmart.net. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit about what's happened the last couple of days. So while I was on vacation, began to hear some rumblings that Mississippi State had interest in off Arkansas offensive coordinator Kendall Browse, who is considered to be one of the best play callers in the country. Now, a lot of Arkansas fans were down on him this year. I don't agree with the criticism. When you lose your quarterback for an extended period of time, I don't care who you are, how sophisticated or simple a system you run, when you lose your quarterback, you're going to take a step back when it comes to offensive production. But Kendall Browse is from the Mike Leach tree. Um, you know, Our Browse, of course, is a high school coach. Mike Leach hired him, gave him his start in the college ranks. Our browse is Kendall's son. Now, yeah, well, there's some problems at Baylor. Absolutely. There absolutely were. But Kendall Browse has kind of reinvented himself. I know some people still want to point that stuff out, all the issues that happened at Baylor. Uh, I think it's important to kind of understand that all that is fair. All right. So let's take a look at this. So when I was, uh, I guess I was in Palm Bay, Florida, and uh, I got a text that, hey, that there's, there's, some, there's some fire to the smoke with Mississippi State and Kendall Browse. Now, what I've learned in hindsight is that his people had reached out and said, hey, Kendall may be interested in making a move this year. Now, some people believe that this was all a money grab uh, to get my money out of Arkansas. I don't believe that's the case. I've talked to too many people that are closely affiliated with this situation that have shared uh, his interest was real. Zach Arnett's um, advancements toward him were real. And it appeared that we were closing in on a deal. And then Arkansas came in and countered, and he's elected to state of Arkansas. This is the business of college football these days. And I know what happens, you get your hopes up, and I did too, because I think Kendall Browse would be great here. And part of the hook for Mississippi State is the fact that um, he would have more control over the offense here. You know, Zach, of course, was given full autonomy as a defensive coordinator to run the scheme as he wished by Mike Leach. And so in that same light, Arnett's expected to let his offensive coordinator run the system that he wants to run without any head coaching interference. That's not to say that Arnett won't come up there and say, hey, we need to run football here, right? But the reality of it is, is that there was a legitimate interest on both sides. It didn't work out. Now, I was told yesterday uh, from somebody in agency circles that the contract, the terms of the deal had been hammered out, that both sides were okay with the contract, the compensation, responsibilities, and that it basically boiled down to Kendall and his family making a decision. Of course, he has some younger kids, and ultimately it's about, you know, your wife and your kids. I mean, you're not just going to pick up and go take a job without some influence from them. So I will also tell you, after the deal was done and he elected to stay at Arkansas, and he did tweet out, you may have seen it, it's interesting to me that this story didn't gain more traction nationally. But he tweets out, it's, you know, we're running it back with KJ Jefferson or whatever. 
I never heard from anybody that I trusted that K.J. Jefferson was interested in getting in the portal. I know some people kind of ran with that. I never heard that from anybody I trusted. I heard it from a lot of people that were speculating, but I never heard that there was any real possibility of K.J. entering the portal. I can understand that line of thinking. He and Browse are very close, but also, too, K.J.'s from Mississippi. But it's important to understand Sometimes when these things begin to unfold, all of a sudden it's not enough. What the facts are not enough. We begin to kind of run with it, you know, and then we get our hopes up. We start thinking about, hey, you know what? We know we're going to be pretty salty on defense. All of a sudden we're bringing some innovation on the offensive side of the football. You start thinking about, man, with our schedule next year, man, we might win 10 games. We could be in the hunt for something special. And then Kendall Browse, Alexis State, or Arkansas. And all of a sudden everybody panics. I'm not going to panic. Uh, I'm not going to do it because I believe there's still some good candidates out there. We haven't made a decision yet, uh, but I understand some news is coming. I understand there, there is expected to be an offensive assistant coach hired today that is closely affiliated with one of the candidates that we discuss as an offensive coordinator possibility. I'm not going to disclose those names. By the time the show airs, perhaps the, the news is out there. But this is all going to move pretty quickly this afternoon. I think we're going to see some big things happen and some decisions as we begin to finalize the staff. So it's important to kind of understand there is still some ebb and flow with all of this. I put some names out on the jeanspage.com message boards of some veterans with a lot of SEC experience, and some of them with head coaching experience. And uh, it didn't go over really well, right? And I think a lot of it's because we want to get somebody that is ascending as a coordinator, right? That's how I feel. I'm going to support whoever we get, but if I had my pick – I want somebody that maybe hasn't been a head coach yet because a lot of former head coaches, once you've been the big whistle, it's tough to be a subordinate again. I get it. I understand it. But I want people that are ambitious at Mississippi State. Now, you don't get a lot of lifers in college football. You don't get a lot of lifers in college athletics. People move, especially when they're young. But my hope is that we would get an offensive coordinator who is a rising name as an OC and then will be a head coaching candidate in two to three years. I think ideally what you'd want at Mississippi State is you go hire a guy and maybe two or three years down the road, he takes a G5 head coaching job somewhere and you'd say, oh, well, Steve, I want continuity. That's just not how life works. You go get this guy and if he gives you three years and he has earned the right to go be a head coach somewhere, that means he's given you three really good years is off offensive production, right? That's a best case type scenario. You, know, you just don't have these situations where people where, you know, people stay together. I mean, bands don't even stay together, right? Not, not to mention coaching staffs where people are trying to angle and, and get better opportunities for themselves to advance their careers. And so you really want kind of a rent-a-coordinator here. I don't really want somebody on the tail end of their career. That may be what ends up happening. You may go get a guy. I had somebody tell me last night, a coaching contact, said that what I've heard Mississippi State's going to do is because of the fact that Zach is a younger coach, he's going to get a guy with some head coaching experience that can champion the offense. That's one angle, right? I don't know if it's the best decision, but it's not my decision. It's not. I'm going to be a bulldog either way, but I want what's best for Mississippi State. I don't believe that's the way to go, but nobody asked me, but I'm just sharing it with you here. I would like to have a rising coach full of ambition that maybe hasn't been to the top of the mountain yet, that is trying to get there and says, you know what? If I go in here and work hard at Mississippi State, we put a great product on the field, I'm going to advance my career. 
but I'm also going to do a great job for Mississippi State. I don't want somebody that maybe has already made their money and spent their money and then now gets in a situation where they um, they just need a check. You know, it's right. I'm trying to build my house out at Lake Ockney or whatever, you know, and so I, I need a job. I don't want somebody that needs a job. I want somebody that needs an opportunity to prove themselves to advance their career. That's that's the kind of coach that I'm looking for. And again, nobody asked me, but you know, a lot of people on the message boards are always like, well, Steve, who do you like? What do you want? I'm not married to names. I'm, I'm married to attributes, right? Because there are a lot of people that possess those attributes that I think are out there. But I want somebody that's going to come in here and put on that Mississippi State three-stripe life polo and do everything they can to advance Mississippi State football, not somebody that just simply needs a job. That's just my two cents on it. Maybe you disagree, but I don't. That's my take on it. And again, uh, I do believe Kendall Brow's interest in Mississippi State was genuine. I know we get the jilted lover type thing, and people are like, oh, well, they just used us to get more money. We got played. I don't believe that. Uh, Based on the people that I have spoken to, I absolutely don't believe that. Is it a little shady? Yeah, I mean, why would you make Mississippi State go through this entire process and get Eric George and the lawyers and everybody involved and then back out? I mean, yeah, that, that that's it's hurtful. It'd be one thing if you had a preliminary interview and said, hey, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, and Zach Garnett, of course, is a first-year head coach. You know, and you got to think about that aspect of it, too. you got to be careful who you hit your wagons with. You know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Zach Arnett, I think he is going to be a phenomenal coach here at Mississippi State. I think we're going to have some very good years of football in the years ahead with Arnett as our head coach. But when you think about packing up, moving your family across the country or across the region or whatever, you better be sure about the direction you're going. And there are still a lot of unknowns with Zach, right? I mean, I believe in him. Mike Leach believed in him. Many of you do. But a lot of people are saying, hey, you know what, this offensive coordinator hire has got to be a home run. I don't disagree, but I think it's important to let the situation play out. Let the situation play out. People are like, oh, well, you know, well, they took advantage of Zach Garnett. You know, listen, once the coaches are identified and the candidates have interest, at that point, the agents and the lawyers take over. It's not like they just pulled the wool over Zach's eyes. Zach and Kendall had conversations. And then the money people get involved and say, okay, here is what we can offer you. I mean, you think Zach Garnett's out there working through the language of the contract? No, of course not. We pay people to do that. And so this was a very legitimate opportunity for Kendall Browse. He did have legitimate interest, but ultimately elected to stay at the University of Arkansas. Do I like how it played out? Absolutely not. I don't. But I also understand that's a business of college football. And how many times do you look in hindsight, how many times do you get your first pick? I mean, usually when you see a head coaching hire, Okay, there's a coaching change at this particular university. And then all of a sudden you see a rush of new names, right? Okay, well, these four or five guys are going to be candidates. It's very rarely any of those people. Rarely is it those people. Because a lot of that information is coming from agents. They're just trying to get their client's name associated with a job, to get their name in the conversation, get their job in, their name in the paper. Because maybe you don't get this job, but because of the fact that you're listed as a potential candidate, it's kind of like a ladder of awareness. Oh, well, this guy was mentioned in connection with Mississippi State. Maybe we should talk to him. That's how it works. I have people all the time that send me stuff, and there's so much of it's bogus, and I know it. And I try to vet it out. And sometimes you get, you know, you get beat on something. 
That's, that's life in the big city. But the reality of it is Mississippi State is going to get a good offensive coordinator. Zach Arnett is going to be a great coach for Mississippi State. I believe that. You can say, Steve, you don't know that. You're right, I, I don't, but I believe it. I believe in Zach. I think Zach is a rising star. I know John Cohen believed that. I know Mike Leach believed that. They obviously have you know, more of an uh, inner angles type relationship with him. Mississippi State didn't work as hard as they did the last three years to keep Zach Arnett just because he's a nice guy. The guy's a phenomenal coach. The guy understands the game of football. He's going to do a good job. Will there be a learning curve? Absolutely there will be. Absolutely there will be. Zach's going to make some mistakes. He's a human being. He's a first-time head coach. But I believe we have the right guy for the job. I do. I absolutely believe that. And I think Arnett, too, is a guy, too, because he is such a competitor. If he gets some coaches in here that aren't pulling their weight, he's going to make a change. I think some of the things you're seeing now, some of the changes that are being made now, those are Zach Arnett's decision. It's not like he's just hanging on for the ride. I mean, he's told some people, yes, you have a job. No, you don't. You may have a job. It's going to be up to the offensive coordinator, whoever we hire. I think it's important to kind of let things play out before we start making any snap decisions. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I would. I would love to be that close to campus. But, again, you're so close, but you're also kind of tucked away in a neighborhood where you can have some privacy. So close enough for convenience, far enough away to have a little privacy. It's the best of both worlds. All your friends, all your family, they'll want to come by and see you on their way to the game, maybe perhaps even stay the night with you. What's better than that, having all your kids under one roof for a while when you're celebrating a big Bulldog weekend? Reach out to my friend, your friend, Mississippi State friend, Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075 to get more information. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You'd be glad you did. You get anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can take care of that for you, too. Phase one's completely sold out. Your new neighbor's already enjoying great life here in Starkville. Phase two, under construction now. Some of those homes have already been purchased, too. There are others that are available for you to purchase today. If you have some time and say, you know what, Steve, we have, we have a different lifestyle than most. We, have, you know, we want to change some things up. They can get that custom bill done for you. You can pick out your lot, pick out some house plans, have some say in that. Everybody probably deserves to do that once. Make Portico your next move. Get all these texts, people out, calling, texting, messaging, asking for information. But I, you know what? I'm committed to you right now. I am present in the moment with you. I'm not going to be distracted by all that. I'm going to finish this show. Then I'll return those texts. That phone is there for me, not for them. My phone is there for me. All right, let's take a look to some, some other developments. Of course, Xavion Thomas, freshman wide receiver, has removed his name from the NCAA transfer portal. That is not unexpected news, but a good development nonetheless. And, and on, on Maroon Friday, no less. Uh, of course, there was a lot of discussion when Xavion was rumored to be going in the portal uh, that perhaps the Xavion, that Xavion was going to be headed to LSU. That didn't work out. There was talk about him in Louisville. He's elected to come back, and some of your players are very active in recruiting him back. This is a major development for Mississippi State. We're very happy. Zevion is back. Zevion, I think, is going to be a superstar. And uh, we didn't have him in the bowl game, but now we do. And now he'll be able to go through workouts and participate in football uh, functions. And uh, very, very happy to see how that has progressed. Now, his former position coach, Steve Spurrier Jr., of course, uh, was not retained by Zach Arnett. He has now accepted the offensive coordinator position at the University of Tulsa. Uh, congratulations to Coach Spurrier. Uh, Steve, of course, uh, has a name of recognition, but he's done a great job. 
He's done a great job everywhere he's been. He was, was arguably our best out-of-state recruiter here at Mississippi State. Now he's headed to Tulsa. So uh, the Golden Hurricane, I'm sure happy to have him. I've got some friends in Tulsa. I like going up there. I hadn't been up there in a couple of years, but uh, I love going up there and staying at the Hard Rock. So if you're up there in, in Oklahoma looking for a place to kind of get away, maybe take the wife for a romantic weekend of uh, food and fun, entertainment, go check out our friends at the uh, Hard Rock Casino in Tulsa. Got some Bulldogs up there too. Maybe you didn't know that. It's true. So Spurrier Jr., the next time you're looking to take your wife out, maybe take her to the Hard Rock. There you go. Uh, also today, Drew Hollingshead announced as the new offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky. What a great turn of events for Drew. You know, Drew, the, a first-year on-the-field assistant coach, is now an offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky. And if you look at the career path of the OCs that have gone to Western Kentucky – you got the OC at uh, Texas Tech, a former Hilltopper coordinator, and now the OC at uh, Washington State, a former Hilltopper offensive coordinator. So Drew Hollingshead is on the fast track, and now a chance to call his own offense. Now, he was very involved in play calling at Mississippi State, too, and, of course, this is a guy that had been groomed for years by Mike Leach. The guy knows this offense. We'll see how things progress. But um, Drew and Spurrier, both – Wide receiver coaches here at Mississippi State, now offensive coordinators on the G5 level. So congratulations to them. We wish them the absolute best. Now, uh, let's run through a couple other things, too. You know, you may have heard, too, Dylan Johnson now headed at the University of Washington. There was some discussion that he may return to Mississippi State. That was still an option. It appeared to be down between Auburn, Mississippi State, and Washington. I thought he would stay in the south and stay closer to home. He's headed to Seattle. Best of luck up there, Dylan. I'm a Dylan Johnson fan, not just as a player, but as a person. I think a lot of him uh, didn't handle things really well, obviously, when he transferred. Um, there was, you know, nobody did, right? There's no winners in that situation. But now he's headed to Washington, and uh, my hope is he can go up there and have a great year and find his way onto an NFL roster somewhere. I don't know if he can be a featured back. I don't know that. But I know this. I know that he'll play hard. I know that he will give his effort. I think that's important to kind of understand, too. Dylan Johnson's a great young man. And I uh, wish we had him, but I think after watching Simeon Price play in the bowl game, you guys probably have a little more of a comfort level with us kind of moving forward. And of course, you got Jeffrey Pittman and Seth Davis coming in this year, so you're gonna you're gonna be able to fill that out that roster. Now we have had some other defections here as of late. We knew there would be after the bowl game, right? And there'll probably be some more after the spring. That's just kind of where we are in college football. The quarterback room at Mississippi State right now is a little bit of a concern, to be quite honest with you. You know, we went from having Will Rogers and then Daniel Greek and a couple four-star quarterbacks. Now all the backups have left. All the scholarship backups. Daniel Greek, of course, has left. He's already made his decision. Uh, Braden Locke in the portal. Sawyer Robertson in the portal. And so basically right now, your only scholarship quarterback on campus is Will Rogers. Now Chris Parson will arrive in January, but Chris, of course, is recovering from an injury. Uh, but the traffic ahead of Chris Parson has certainly cleared. And we talk about when does the Chris Parson era begin? Well, I would venture to say it's probably in 2024. I think Will Rogers is your quarterback this year, and maybe you run some packages for Parson this fall. And Chris Parson could take over next year, either as a redshirt freshman or a sophomore quarterback, depending on how much you play him this year. And a lot of it's going to depend on his health and, of course, the command of the offense. But Chris Parson is an explosive player. And I will be honest with you, 
Uh, Chris Parson is a better athlete than all three of the quarterbacks that have transferred. And I think there's just a combination of things here. And I'm not going to say anything negative about any of these young men because you only get a short time in life to play sports. And, you know, if you're thinking, okay, well, Will Rogers is going to return, you know, Sawyer Robertson's going to have to sit down, sit around and wait another year. You know, you only get five years of eligibility. One of those years is a redshirt year. He's already exhausted that year. You got to get on the field somewhere. And so Sawyer Robertson will, and he'll get an opportunity somewhere else. And I wish him the best. Daniel Greek, same situation. You know, and, and to be honest with you, when those two guys came in the same class, you knew at some point one of those guys would transfer. Now both of them have. Braden Locke, of course, a guy that came in here, very accomplished high school quarterback. Uh, I've heard and read some things about him from some people that uh, just not accurate. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, he was doing this, and he was, pu- uh, was pushing Sawyer Robertson on the depth chart. Uh, that's not true. That, that's simply not true. Sawyer Robertson was QB2. And in the fall, there were some practices that Sawyer Robertson took more reps than Will Rogers. They were trying to make sure they had him ready in case they needed him. Of course, I don't think he played enough during the season, especially in blowout games. But no, Braden Locke was not on the verge of overtaking Sawyer Robertson this year. Could have been next year, and now we'll never know. But when we went into – once we get through passing scale and practice and we go to team, the only quarterbacks that took reps with the first-team offense were Will Rogers and Sawyer Robertson. That's factual. And if you actually go to practice, you know that. You don't have to depend on secondhand reports. The only time Braden Locke played was on scout team and in the, uh, you know, the with Thursday night football operations they had when the freshman played. And that's not to say he wasn't talented. He absolutely was. But he wasn't getting those reps. And now it's a moot point in many respects because all those guys are gone. So with that said, with Parson coming in, I think you have to go to the portal now and get a backup. You have to go, you have to go do it. And we talked about, okay, we're probably done at quarterback. I think you have to. Now, do you go get a guy that can challenge Will Rogers for the starting spot? I don't know if you can command that type of uh, product. Because if you begin to look at this and say, you know what, hey, I got the all-time leading passer there you probably got to go get a guy that's probably going to be a backup quarterback. But you need to provide some competition to the room. You know, listen, Will Rogers is a winner. Will is not going to shy away from competition. Will is going to – if, if a, a guy shows up, Will is going to do everything he can to get that guy up to speed. That's just how he is. I see Will Rogers is. That guy doesn't hate his teammates. That guy loves his teammates. And Will's a very confident young man. So, yeah, I think you probably do see a portal quarterback now. I don't think you're going to see some starter come in and unseat Will Rogers. But I think for depth purposes, you probably need another quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that thing. It's important for that to probably happen. But, again, some comings and goings. And, of course, we'll have some visitors on campus this weekend. So we expect to have maybe perhaps another commitment or two. State, of course, spring semester doesn't start for a little while. So you have uh, some opportunities to kind of work through this portal stuff. But you need to get this – got to get the staffing positions filled. You have to. You got to get this stuff handled because guys got to know who they're playing for. What kind of offense are you going to run, coach? Well, we don't know yet. You know, you got to remove those type of questions. You got to be able to answer those questions definitively and let people know this is who's going to coach you. This is your role in our offense. These are our expectations of you. When you sit down across the table with a, with a young man and his family and you can say, well, we don't even know who our offensive coordinator is going to be, that's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. You know, and it's like you look at people that leave sometimes. You know, people leave for sure things. 
people leave for sure things. You know, it's like I began to think about some of these uh, athletic department staffers that have left in and um, you know last few weeks. So like people are upset with John Cohen. I, I get it. You know, it's part of the business though, right? So John hired away some of our people. We don't have an athletic director here. So what type of commitment can we make to those people? You know, John's offering more money and stability and job security. And a lot of people are kind of waiting in the wings to hear if they're even going to have a job. Because a new AD may come in and say, you know what, we're going to upset the apple cart here and we're going to, we're going to change this position and that position and we're going to replace this person. I'm going to bring in my people and this person and that person. So there's uncertainty. And we need to get this hire done. And I understand AD interviews took place yesterday. Uh, and so we're closing in on that. I think we're probably a week away. Probably next week we'll have an answer on who the new AD is going to be. But that needs to happen just so we can start offering some people some assurances, give some people some contracts, and let them know, hey, you're going to have a job here. Because, you know, what do you do if you find out that your company has filed bankruptcy? What do you do if your company is having layoffs? So there, you know, there's a recession. What do you do? You got to think about you and your family. You're not going to sit around with blind loyalty, just kind of hoping for the best. You're going to go find something out there where you can rest at night, knowing that you're going to be able to keep food on the table. That's how life works. And sometimes we think, you know what? I can't believe this person would have left us without really knowing the full situation. These are human beings. They're not just actors in a play. These are people that have responsibilities. These are people that have a life. They've got to be able to get a paycheck. And if we can't guarantee them a paycheck, they're going to leave. That's just how it is. And so the sooner we get the AD hired and the sooner we get this offensive staff filled out, we're going to be able to speak a lot more authoritatively about things. That's important to understand. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get all my sports books there. That's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, and many people are, a lot of people have messaged me. They got it for Christmas. And thank you very much for buying those, you gift buyers. You're wonderful. Very thoughtful of you. Uh, it's a gift for all of us. You can find that at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com. Very proud of that work, which is one of those things that uh, I really never saw coming, but I did it anyway. And uh, about to start work on a new book. A lot of people have been after me to write the Leech bio. That's not going to happen right now. I'm going to work on another project. And then after a few months, we'll begin to, to can pursue that a little bit. A lot of people have said, oh, Steve, you've got to do it. And they were doing it like the day of the memorial. I mean, I'm going to have to interview some people that are going to have some very painful memories, some things that are going to be very difficult to talk about. We need to give those people an opportunity to heal. So, yes, that's on the radar. I haven't signed the deal with that yet, but, yes, that, that is on my radar. But that is not the next book. The next book is going to be something a little more personal. But um, be that as it may, I'm about to start working on that. I'll start laying it out here in the next few days and uh, start writing. It's not one that requires a lot of fact-checking or a lot of research and hopefully not a lot of editing, but I hope to be able to knock this thing out very, very quickly. So there's a potential to have two books this year. I didn't write one last year. I'm itching to write one. So I just share that with you. There is, there is a book and maybe two books on the horizon uh, from Steve Robertson. So just kind of let you know. But again, the Leech bio is not the next thing I'm working on. And that's really out of respect for everybody involved. I've already talked to you know, some coaching people that have been, have been closely affiliated with Mike. And I said, hey, when I get ready to pursue this, I'd like for you to help me. They've all agreed to do it. I said, but listen, I think we all need some time to heal. They agreed. And plus, you plant the seed and give people a chance to start thinking about their best leech stories and things like that. So 
that's on the horizon, but it's not immediate. So I just share that with you because I, I get tons of messages about that. I try to respond to them all. But uh, again, my phone is for me. You know, it's like I just want to make sure I can kind of address this kind of globally so people understand kind of what my thought process is. If you need Stark Villains gear, please go to StarkVillains.com. A lot of you got that for Christmas, too. I appreciate that more than you know. Uh, be sure and check that out today, StarkVillains.com. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about some other things and probably be some new developments when the Mississippi State coaching front. So I look forward to that. The first ever, I think, Saturday, Boneyard. So we'll get to that tomorrow. may not be as long a show, but we'll get it done for you. So you'll have some uh, weekend listening. It's good to be back. Uh, and I hope you guys uh, have had a great holiday break and enjoyed your Christmas and New Year's. And, of course, it's always so great that we can bring a bowl trophy home and add that to our trophy case. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.